Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Last week, we realized that before you can get to the question, are we there yet? We must recognize that every journey begins with the revelation of we can't stay here. Somebody say, we can't stay here. We literally can't stay here. They are kicking us out for two weeks at least. Moses had to convince the Israelites the importance of not staying in Egypt, that God had something better prepared for them. We also looked at those lepers that were outside of Samaria, and and they decided they couldn't stay there, that God had something better for them. Church, I'm letting you know God has something better prepared for us. Amen? I said God has something better prepared for us. We can't stay here. September the 18th, 2016, it was an exciting day. After years of giving and saving over $500,000, we were finally ready as a church family to break ground. Eight years earlier, we had purchased this property, and now we were taking the next step to make that property our new home. And we broke ground that day, thinking that it would not be long. We were crammed under a big tent, the staff, the administrative council, the builders, the architect. We all had our golden shovels in hand. I remember I prayed right before we broke ground. I prayed, and then we stuck our golden shovels into the ground to break it up, signifying that we were starting the construction process. And this should have been the first sign that this was going to be a tough journey. Because I'll never forget, as soon as we stuck those, tried to stick those shovels into the ground, we realized how hard the ground was out there. It should have been a sign. <laughs> I remember looking over at Mandy, and she was struggling. She was practically standing on her shovel, both feet, and it is not going in the ground. And I remember reaching over, grabbing her shovel, and helping her put it in the ground, maybe, maybe a half an inch, just so we could turn a little bit of dirt it was anticlimactic at best. I mean, it was, it, it was rough. And later on, I found out that many construction companies will come in and they'll actually put some dirt down across the front so that it's much easier to, to turn dirt and, and to break ground. But why? Why would they do that for us, right? I mean, why would our construction company make life easier on us, right? We may have to edit this podcast a little bit. <laughs> I'm not bitter, you are. Um, and, and to top it all off, it was hot as asphalt out there. It was so stinking hot. Which, by the way, the end of this week, they're supposed to pour the asphalt. So just keep praying. Keep praying. We're getting there. Amen. I want to go back to where we left off last week. Pharaoh was not listening to what Moses was saying. God had convinced Moses, you are going to leave my people, and I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You've got to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Go tell him, let my people go. And Pharaoh does not want to listen to what Moses has to say. So God started trying to get Pharaoh's attention. Maybe you've heard of the ten plagues of Egypt. And that's what God did to get his attention. And 
in between each one of the plagues, Pharaoh would change his mind. He would be like, okay, you, you can go out and, and worship. And then, and then he would change his mind again. He would be like, no, no, you're, you're not leaving. And so God began sending these plagues. The first one is, is that God turned the Nile River, turned the water into blood. And the Bible says that the fish died. And because the fish died, there was a stench with the water, and, and, and that's where they got a lot of their drinking water, and it was just unbearable for them. The second plague was frogs. I know that my future daughter-in-law hates frogs. It's a story for another day, but some of you hate frogs. The Bible tells us some details about this. The frogs were so plentiful that the frogs were in their houses, in their bedrooms, then the Bible says that the frogs were in their beds. It's rough, right? The next plague that God would send were gnats. He told Moses, he said, I want you to go and, and take the staff, touch the grains of sand. And when he did, it just turned into gnats. And so Egypt was plagued with gnats. And then, and then flies would follow that. And then the Egyptian livestock died. Not, not, not the, the Israelite livestock, but the Egyptian livestock died. And then there were boils on the skins of the Egyptians. And then God sent hell to destroy the Egyptian crops. And what the hell did not destroy, then locusts were sent to eat whatever was left over. And then the Bible says, and we don't know exactly how this happened, but there was darkness that came over Egypt for three solid days, just dark. And Pharaoh's not listening. He's not getting the hint. And so now God has to go to the extreme. And what God does is that all the firstborn of Egypt was killed if they did not have the blood of a lamb over their doorposts. And parents, there's something for us to learn about that because if we don't have the blood of Jesus Christ over our homes, death will follow. But no one was exempt from this. If you didn't have the blood of a lamb on your doorposts, your firstborn would die. It didn't matter how much money Pharaoh had. It didn't matter how famous he was. How many people served him. He didn't have the blood of a lamb over his doorpost. And his son died that night. And it was at that moment that Pharaoh said, go. Get your stuff. Get your animals. And go. Get out of Egypt. And so he finally releases them to go to the wilderness. I want to read from Exodus chapter 13 this morning. Exodus 13. I'm going to start in Exodus 13 and we'll eventually get to Exodus 14. Exodus chapter 13. I want to start with verses 17 and 18. It reads like this. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. I want you to notice the Bible says that they were equipped for battle physically, but not mentally. God knew that they were not ready for war. God 
could not take them straight into the promised land couldn't take them to the land that he was giving them because that land had inhabitants in the land and God was concerned that at the first sign of war if they have to get to this land and they have to fight although they are equipped for it if they have to fight they're gonna turn around go right back to Egypt and Egypt and return right back to slavery and God says I can't take him that direction there's some reprogramming that I have to do. I, I, I've got to change their mindset. This got me thinking, church, how many believers do we know that are equipped with faith, but they don't know how to use it? I, I mean, Romans 12 and 3 tells us this. We, we know this. This is certain that God has allotted to each a measure of faith. God has allotted to each a measure of faith. That means he's given me a measure of faith. He's given you a measure of faith. He's, he's given her. He's given him. We all have a measure of faith. And so we are equipped for battle. But how many of us actually use the weapon that God has given us? How many of us actually activate the faith? You know, we're good about putting our faith out there on display. We, we, we hold it well. And, and we'll throw it out there on Facebook. But do we actually use it when it's time to fight? That when the, the going gets rough, do, do we actually use our faith to fight the battle for us? Do we put our faith in a God that we cannot see and say, I trust you in these circumstances and I'm not going to crumble. I, I'm going to walk by faith, not by sight, because God, you've given me a measure of faith and now this is my weapon and I'm going to activate it and I'm going to use it. You've got faith, you're equipped for battle, but do you use it? We've got the weapons that we need, but have we ever actually pulled the sword? Some of us are like Barney Five Christians. We've got our gun over here in the holster. It's not loaded. And we've got our bullet over here in our shirt pocket. And we have no intentions of ever using our weapon. Our faith is there for show, not to actually use it. And the reason I tell you that is because when, when you're faithless, you'll begin questioning every step of the journey. When you don't have faith, whatever journey God has you on, you will begin questioning Every direction that he sends you, every step that he allows you to take, you will begin questioning every step of the journey when you're living life faithless. Exodus chapter 14. Didn't take long for the Israelites to start second-guessing this journey. Verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people, and they said, What is this we have done? We have let Israel go from serving us. Think about this now. They've lost all their slave labor. And now they're second-guessing that. That they need slave labor, slave labor back because they don't want to do that work. We, we need someone that's going to do this for us. Verse 6. So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out def defiantly. 
The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and he overtook them and camped at the sea by Pihahirath in front of Baal-Zephon. And Pharaoh drew near the people of Israel, lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly, and the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't it amazing, though, whenever the, the journey doesn't go according to plan, when your faith is weak? Isn't it amazing how your mind just starts racing? Here's what they start believing. Moses, are you in cahoots with Pharaoh where there are not enough graves for us? You've brought us out here so that so that we can die here and be buried here because there's, no, there, there's certainly not a pyramid or a tomb there with our name on it. So did you bring us out here just to kill us and let us die here? Verse 12. Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness faithless. Have you ever been in a situation though that somewhere in the middle of it you just ask yourself what did I get myself into? You ever been there? Now, you're trying to do something good for somebody but it all crumbles and falls apart and now they're blaming you. How did I get myself into this? You're preaching a sermon, and it started out so great. And now I'm like, how did I get myself into this? Oh, there's been plenty of sermons like that. You've just had to struggle through it with me. But luckily today is not one of those days. You've been in that situation. How did I get myself into this marriage? How did I get myself into this job? How did I get myself into this situation? Because this is not enjoyable. I, I did not sign up for this. What did I get myself into? And, and in complete and total transparency with you this morning, and, and some of you aren't going to like me, and, and, and uh, you'll get over it, but you're, you're, just, you're not going to agree with what I'm about to tell you because you're going to be like, I don't need my pastor having these real human thoughts right here. It's okay if you have them, but you don't expect me to have them. And so I'm just going to be very transparent with you. And when I say this, it's going to offend some of you, but, but get over it. I'm not sure that I would have signed up for this construction project had I known all of the frustration, mishaps, and delays up front. I know that bothers you because you're tired of being portable. Trust me, I'm tired of being portable. But if God would have showed me all of the delays, the mishaps, all of the frustration that I would face up front, if he would have detailed this thing out for me, I am not so certain. I know Rocky. I know me. I know my mindset. And, and if, if I see that much hardship, if I see that many roadblocks, I don't think that I start this journey. It bothers some of you that I say that, that your pastor feels this way. I get it. Because while you were sitting at home enjoying your favorite TV shows this week, I'm scrutinizing invoices line by line, making sure that you get every item that you paid for 
And this has not been fun by any stretch of the imagination. And I'll tell you, like I told first service, that there's been moments that I would rather have the, the fleas of a thousand camels rest in my armpits than be in the middle of this. It's rough. But three and a half years later, standing on the threshold, I am thankful that my God did not show me every step of the journey. I'm thankful that God is not obligated to give his children every detail. Because think about all of the blessings that we would miss out on if we knew all the details up front. Think about some of the things that you're going through right now, some of the marriages that you're in. Think about what your life looks like right now and, 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 and how you probably would not have chosen to, to walk into this situation that you're currently into had you known that you were going to be facing the same struggles that you're facing right now. But God doesn't give us all of those details. And, and God says, you know what? My grace is sufficient. In this moment, I'll give you exactly what you need. And I will give you grace for that moment. And I will get you through that first step. And, and when that, that battle comes up, when that struggle presents itself, I've got enough grace to get you through that too. And all you have to do is just activate that faith. I've equipped you with it. You've got a measure of faith. And it may not be great, but it doesn't have to be great. Because all it takes is, is just the faith, the size of a mustard seed to move mountains that when you put your faith in God that he's able to move those mountains and so you don't have to know the whole journey you don't have to know exactly how God is going to get you there because if you knew the whole journey you would never take the first step to begin with you would have never started college if you would have known how many late nights you were going to stay up studying and you would have never started college had you known the student debt that you were going to graduate with. But now that you have the career of your choice, it was worth it. You would have never had that child if you knew they were going to, to be so defiant against you and they were going to test your patience on a regular basis. You would have never had that child. Oh, okay, some of you are just holier than thou right now. I understand. Oh, children are a gift from God. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full. Am I the only one that's ever wanted to just, just, I, I'm afraid to say it right now. I don't know. Do we have any DCF workers in here? Oh, my kids are over 18. Have you ever just wanted to strangle your child, beat the child? I mean, just, yeah, yeah. Praise God. Thank you for being honest today. It's even better when she's sitting next to you like that and the look on her face. Fantastic. It's going to be a fun afternoon at your house. <laughs> if God would have showed you all the details of that child and, and how they were going to test you and, 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 and all the trials you'd had to go through with that child, you'd have never had that child. But since he didn't give you all the details and you did have that child, you can't imagine life without that child right now, and it was worth it. You would have never committed your life and marriage to another human being if you knew in the beginning that they were going to die before you. That you would have to bury them. But after all these years, you can't imagine not starting that journey because it's worth it. 
And God doesn't give you all the details because he knows how finite your faith is. And he's giving you just enough to step out and start the journey. And then he'll give you the faith that you need to cross the Red Sea. Exodus chapter 14, verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. The people of Israel went to the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the, into the, midst of the sea and all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces, forces and the Egyptian forces into a panic and threw them into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel. For the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, and not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground across uh, through the sea, and the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and their left hand. Church, if you don't start the journey, if you don't take the first step, you will never witness God part the sea. If you don't activate that, that faith, that weapon that you have and step out and start that journey, you will never experience the moments when you need him more than you ever need him. I believe that it is part of the Christian journey. You're not going to like this, but... but I'm convinced that we go through life and, and part of God's design for us is that we will experience hardships and moments that we can't overcome by our own. Because we need to rely on Him. Understanding that without faith we can't please Him and so we need to learn to rely on him because if you are never put in a situation where you need to be saved then you don't even need a savior God requires it's more it's it's more than just putting your faith in him that for salvation that 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 is great that we we have eternal life through him but but he is the God of the living he is the God of everyday life and every circumstance that we have to go through God wants us to put our faith in him Trusting that he's going to bring us through it. The story is told of a Sunday school class that was asked this question. In your time of discouragement, what is your favorite scripture? What's your go-to? One young man said, Psalm 23 and 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Middle-aged woman, she said, God is my refuge and strength, a very present help. In time of trouble, Psalm 46 and 1. Another woman said, 
I like what Jesus said in John 16 and 33. In this world you will have tribulations. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. I have overcome this world. But then John, an 80-year-old man, he said the phrase, and it came to pass, is in the Bible 452 times. The Sunday school class started to chuckle and laugh a little bit. They were thinking that John's lack of memory was getting the best of him. And when the, the snickering stopped, John proceeded. He said, at 30, I lost my job with six hungry mouths and a wife to feed. I didn't know how I was going to make it. He said, at 40, my eldest son was killed overseas in the war and it knocked me down. At 50, my house burned to the ground. Nothing was saved out of the house. At 60, my wife of 40 years got cancer and it slowly ate away at her. We cried together many a night on our knees in prayer. He said, when I was 65, she died. And I still miss her to this day. John went on to say, the agony I went through in each of these situations was unbelievable. I wondered where was God? But each time I looked in the Bible, I saw one of those 452 verses that said, and it came to pass. I felt that God was telling me my pain and my circumstances were also going to pass and that God was going to get me through it. I know that this journey that you're on, both corporately and individually, it feels like it is never going to end. You may be asking yourself, how did I get myself into this situation? God has equipped you with the weapon of his choice, faith, so that when you are standing at the sea, your faith is activated and you raise the staff of God and the sea parts and it doesn't just part. An east wind dries it up to where you walk across on dry ground. When you live by faith and not by sight and you find yourself in that situation of how did I get here? You'll start to realize that God sends you into that sea on purpose because when you get through it, he knows that your enemies can't swim. And my prayer for you today is that God will once again ignite that faith inside of you. That even if you're questioning, how did I get myself into this? You'll know that God's going to bring you through. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.